0: All right, back, episode eight of The Growth Vault. I am here with Aaron Orendorf. This is the now Portland, LA connection. We were in Jersey City last week. I'm really excited for you to be here. He is the head of marketing at ReCart. And if you don't know the other things he's done, he was VP of marketing at uh, Common Thread Collective, editor-in-chief at Shopify. Just incredible, incredible human since only positivity out into the world. And I want to thank you for being here. Thank you. Only positivity out into the world. We were just talking about
1: this. I feel like I have just been left and right slighting you, just leaving you out. And I got to say to you, to inviting me on here, to the, I binged, I binged on this. And it was so, God, you're building something here that it's one of those, when you get a taste of it, you just realize, how did this not exist? Yeah. For this overlap of B2B SaaS with some consumer T 2 e-com into it, right? So I've just been sliding you left and right, and you've been nothing but the... I say this with no hyperbole. I'm delighted to be here, and you are one of the most engaging, kindest, consistent humans I've had the pleasure of getting to know over the last six months to a year.
0: I really... Tell uh, my wife, you. Tell my wife. I tell Rob about dude. Just tell my wife I'm nice. She'll she, she'll she be like, yeah, okay. No, I appreciate it. Similarly, I feel I feel very grateful to have you on here and have built a relationship with you. Aaron and I are in a little group called uh, CMO Download where we sit and kind of share like just the shit that's going on and try to f- help each other figure it out. And it's such a wonderful place to kind of just lay down. And my mom always says you got to have a place to like just leave your shit. And so you just go there like, hey, guys, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I'm acting like I'm smart, but I'm not. And so I really, really um, appreciate you there and here. And I mean, you're doing some amazing stuff that I want to plug at the end with future commerce as well that I think is just insane. So I'm sure we'll talk about it in the main topic as well. You've been thinking about it a lot. But um, what have what you been interested in? I mean, obviously, Raba is he's in Prague now. So uh, shout out to our friend, the Ray Hill himself. He's in Prague right now. What have you like common, uh, what's it called? Obviously, we've been on, everyone's been on Subwatch, RIP those guys. Besides that, what are you I shouldn't about? even, no, this is going to be on you. Like,
1: I just smiled and I just realized how freaking lame that was of me yeah. to smile. Well,
0: I'll just do a little, we'll do a little black box over your face for that section. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, no, because it is, uh, yeah, hot off of that press conference
1: yeah. just happened. Yeah, man. And I'll tell you, it's funny. So I... We're going to talk about boring marketing today. Yes. And this is the perfect intro to boring marketing because I knew you were going to ask me. I've listened to the episodes. What are you into? What are you reading? What are you... And my answer is anything I might have to say that's relevant to anything that's actually going on in the zeitgeist is because my wife told me about it. That's it. I only know about the press conference. I only know about the... I only know these things because she's my lifeline. And here's the really dangerous thing and why this is going to be extra special boring is because she's been gone for the last two days so so what have i been reading and and interested in man i got nothing i hope you got
0: something yeah and then i got an I opinion got, what do i got i listened to an ep the the operators uh podcast are most oh. and they went hard on finance and they talked about it I, i've talked to a lot of people about this like i come from a filmmaking background right so yeah. like, I don't know anything about finance. Everything I've taught is because it's like, oh, shit, I need to learn this. Or, oh, I need to learn this. I need to figure out spreadsheets. My wife is in finance. Hey, show me how to build these models. Like, I, d- I don't know how to do any of this. It's like watching YouTube videos and just figuring things out. And so they they talked a lot about how you structure debt, how you get yourself in and out of situations for you know having a cat like a, a great 13-week model for cash conversion. I thought it was just such an interesting thing that people in tech, people in consumer... I would say 95% of people don't actually know how to read a financial statement. This and is so true. Back into what that means for their category of the business. And then I'll pair this with, I was listening to Lenny's podcast with the VP of marketing at Rippling. And he said, there is something called business level imperatives. And so I'll, I'll get into that a little bit, which is, it's kind of my growth, growth nugget, but whatever. I'll think of something else on the fly. Um, But the imperatives are essentially across every subset of the business, whether it's finance, HR, product, marketing, whatever. What are the imperative things that everyone has to do to make sure that we become the company that we want to become? Right? Hmm. And I think one of them is understanding finance, to be completely honest with you. Everyone should understand financially what we need to do to drive the, the business forward and what level of impact they can have, whether it's like this much, or it's this much. And it's like, Oh, but I need these three teams to be able to allow me to do it. So I understand what the component parts are of my impact that's being driven. And like, it just aligns everybody. So I think that was a really interesting synthesis of two podcasts that came together. So it's Lenny's podcast from the Rippling seal. We'll link it in the show notes. And then the operators one where they were talking so much about kind of how to actually Mm. think about finance for your business. And we can just pause for a second to appreciate yeah. what a gift
1: Nine Operators has been Fantastic. to the flipping e-commerce ecosystem community, Insane. right? Insane. Off the charts. Yeah, there was a, there was an episode recently where they uh, they talked about their biggest mistakes. And it, it was either that episode or it was the one right before it where they got into the the panzerism was something about defaulting to action. Yeah. And then Mike from Simple Modern went on this like two to three minute riff yeah. about kindness, where he took that idea of defaulting to action and instead sort of connected it to defaulting to, and it was almost like defaulting to imperfect. Yeah, but If you haven't had models, if you didn't grow up with people yeah. who modeled to you yeah. what kindness looked like, Mm-hmm. I know it can be a challenge, and it was—it was like this moment in the middle of this thing where I had to stop, take a screenshot, and toss it over to him via DM with with yeah. the timestamp on it. Of like, this almost brought me to tears. Yeah, man. Because I identified with that so hard. So the idea that those that group swings between the finances on the one hand, which is just a screaming, a screaming need yeah. inside of all businesses. I'm experiencing yeah. that myself, acutely yeah. uh, right now, of like money out, money in. What's the ratio? How are you contributing? Uh, but th- those swings between the finances on the one hand and just the deep emotional empathy that they that they reveal yeah. where you wouldn't expect it to be yeah. from someone of, you have this like idea of like the stature. Yes. Of when you name your show after the, you know, the number of uh, digits yeah. that your business is generating yeah. and you don't expect that to come in. The other piece I would say is two really good resources on the finance front. Taylor Holiday did an e-commerce playbook podcast recently where they pulled back the curtain on Bamboo Earth, their own D2C brand, and the changes they made. And they've been talking a lot about returning customer revenue versus new customer Mm -hmm. revenue. And returning customer revenue essentially bottoming out the deeper we get into 2023. That the cohorts that a lot of people just mad grabbed yeah. during arbitrage, during the yeah. pandemic, during COVID. Not only did that lift all ships during the middle of it, but they've also been riding this, this wave, this mm. reverberation after it, that is the ebb, the tide is going back out of mm-hmm. the customer cohorts that, you, yeah. that you've you already acquired. So yeah. returning customer revenue is bottoming out. And it's almost like this. And then like the the loans, the grants, covering up a lot of bad financial decisions and financial belt tightening that you just don't see when there's money in the bank, but you don't think long enough about where did that money actually come from. And so and he really just shared about how they they got caught slipping yeah. on the cost associated with their business, it's yeah. particularly with the DTC side. And he kind of, he hinted a little bit at the same thing at Common Thread Collective. I remember being there at that time, just a mm-hmm. really honest podcast about finances yeah. uh, as well. Blending again, that finance and the human side yeah. of things like a hard conversation, but phenomenal resource yeah. to
0: go check that out. I'm going to, I'm going to listen to it uh, on my drive to pick up my son today. I think the biggest thing I have taken out of the last, I don't know, three years just focused on b2b SaaS is the quality of your customer will dictate the quality of your business
1: and say it again
0: the quality of your customer will dictate the quality of your business now if you take that down to what does that mean upstream and downstream that means how do you acquire the customers that means how are you translating your value prop if they see that it's something that's like quick in quick out so like for instance you know we're talking about opus a little bit that we're going to talk about uh later on but that feels like something that anyone who wants to do creator stuff can get value out of. And it's like a very simple thing. But it's not an emotional one because you're like, oh, I just got some things. I'm going to post it. Boom, done. But an ad, there's revenue associated with it, right? I'm talking about myself. There's revenue associated with it. So there is a certain level that that customer needs to be at to make sure that they get the outcome that they want. And we have a very simple saying, shit in, shit out. You just get more shit. Mm. Every product uh, and i say this to every person i said look you come in to any SaaS product it's a factory it's a factory it's meant to help you amplify the things you want to do but a factory needs a design to go off of and you need to create the design maybe we can give you the playbook hey write this for instance you're talking about sms for instance it's like hey here are the things you need to do but you still need to fill out what you want to say to deliver that value mm-hmm. and so anyway I could get, I could pontificate forever on this, but I think it's a really important one is understanding quality always dictates the quality of your business. And that bleeds
1: directly into, I have been struck throughout this year and I can't believe I'm 10 years deep into marketing. And now I'm being struck by the screaming importance of understanding your ideal customer persona, your ideal customer profile from a business perspective of the people that actually make you money. Mm the quality of your customer would determine the quality of your business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And there is outsized opportunity that is so easily obscured mm-hmm. when you try to look at volume. Yes. The units of MQLs, SQLs, closed one deals, or even back that up a little bit to awareness via traffic. Via, mm-hmm. I mean, you can go really sort of vanity on it if you want. Yeah. But... If you have a disciplined lead qualification process Mm -hmm. into what is an actual SQL or a sales accepted lead even, what that will hide is the second you say that's the goal, that's what everybody runs towards. And it's so deceptively easy to begin inadvertently padding and running towards that number rather than business value right? Because not all MQLs, not all SQLs, not all clients are created equal. There's enormous differences in quality. And if you try to say you're going to hold your team, if you're a CEO, or you're reporting up to a CEO or a C-suite, whatever the the structure is, like, I just want to push people away from volume-based goals Mm. into value-based goals.
0: Such an interesting one, because I think people will always ask, what's the distinction about that? Because they are like, oh, that sounds like it sounds nice. How do we actually action that specifically? And I, I'm, I always say like, dude, uh, it's dependent is the worst answer. You, like, it depends on your business, what the value is. But you really have to be able to quantify that because here's the big one. Again, you're a writer. I'm a writer, right? Rob is a writer we come and say like, look, this is working. It's happening. They're like, okay, 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 cool, cool, cool. But like, what's the number? Because a CEO generally is going to look at it from a finance perspective of what does it mean, right? Dude, yes. The number? Connecting the two things. So the ultimate number is marketing attributed
1: revenue. Yes. And actually the ultimate, ultimate number is, and did that translate into good bottom line movement? Yes. The quality of the deals you're bringing in. Are there discounts associated with that? Are the commissions associated with that? Are there affiliate fees associated with that? There's all these things that cut into it yeah. that hide revenue yeah. from actual Profit. what goes into the bank account. Yeah, yeah. But one step back from that, right? To report on something like pipeline value generated, qualified pipeline value generated, is exponentially more important than volume of MQLs, yeah. SQLs, etc. Because like you can have three, five, fifty, a hundred, and What you're hiding in that volume number is the actual dollar
0: value associated with what's the deal size of this. You've been listening to Chris Walker from Refine Labs, haven't you? Uh, I have not. I've just been in the trenches getting beat up. That's what's been
1: happening. i am learning the hard
0: way. Yeah, he talks about this a lot, which is um, MQLs and SQLs. I'm adding this on as my own thing. Feel like stuff that sales teams built so that they didn't get shit on because the pipeline wasn't big enough, legitimately. By the way, people fucking make up metrics to like pad themselves. Like, look, you know, we have this thing happening. You're like, okay, but I only care about this. Like, well, there's these three things. You try to veil the actual outcome in these three things. These are giving us good signals that this will happen in this month, you know, going forward. You're like, look, how much revenue came in? How much stayed? how much fucking expanded, how many of those people turned into word of mouth? That's the four things I care about. Literally, that's the four things I care about. Dude, that last one was a
1: banger. I feel like I should just be like,
0: say it again, say it again. How many turned into word of mouth? How many turned into referrals? Dude! That's my my God metric in marketing. Get it. How many people can I turn into word of mouth? I want to essentially build every person into a marketing channel for me. And... It's a thing my friend wrote an article about. It. It's called the word of mouth coefficient, which is essentially like um, mm-hmm. new customers divided by returning customers and revenue loss. Some, I'll figure out the, I can't remember exactly what it is, but essentially it's like per new customer, how many can you expect? How many new customers can you expect from that one customer? So if it's like 0.3, it's like, okay, so for every three customers, we're going to get one customer out of it. It's like, oh, that's pretty good. What does that do to my CAC? Okay, payback period turns into this. I can invest into more marketing because I know the quality of those people coming in is X. Okay, I can now start forecasting my revenue in a meaningful way from there. And you know what? The the unlock on that
1: comes right back to, it's what you can quantify is what you and especially your team, if you're a leader, will run at. Yes, oh dude. It's what you can quantify. If I can move a number, Aaron Orndorff will go attack that number Yes, for good or for ill. Whatever number you tell me to go attack, I will go tackle it, demolish it, like all the violent metaphors that for some reason yeah. we always leave. No, oh, I don't know yes. why. But he's a killer. It's like, why, did, why would yeah. you say he's like a- Yeah, I do. It's, yeah. So, it's so violent. Yeah. And yet, it, it all comes down to, can I qu- quantify it? I don't yeah. know if that's just something about the, the nature of most marketer minds yeah. that I want to be able to, but it's so key from above to below, from below to above, wherever you are in that chain, yeah. to making sure that that's what you're calling people
0: to account for. I think um, this is this comes down to like a basic human need, which is like if you can't measure it, you can't change it. The thing about, for instance, I, like I from just like January t- to now, I've lost like 35 pounds, and I just measure because it's like okay, I know how I felt. My joints didn't feel good. I didn't feel good. I was more tired, blah blah. blah. But I just measured it, and I wasn't like sitting there. Killing myself. I was just like, hey, I'm not going to snack anymore or something. But the m- act of measurement, hey, I'm going to focus on growing my personal brand, for instance. Let's just say, oh, right, let's just measure it. Okay, actually, that's has grown more. Oh, like, man, let me go back and track this week. What did I not do this week? Because I had this big bump, and it's like, oh, I wrote one valuable thing last week. The rest of it's like shit posting. Uh, so who cares? <laughs> and I think it really comes down to, and this is, was antithetical to me for a long time. So, like, let me not act like I had this. Down pat, but if you can't measure it and you don't focus on the numbers, you really aren't going to be able to drive at anything. Is people just want to be impactful. Legitimately, every person yeah. wants to have impact. Yeah. Yeah. Every person wants to have impact. Me, you, I don't know. My, the, 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 my, our kids, you know, you tell them, like, hey, look, well, let's do this thing. Can you get these three things done for me? Oh, I can do three clarity. things. Yes. Yeah. Clarity and especially numerical clarity is a
1: gift. Yeah. And I can even, I can out you. On yeah. this front for sure. When I was a common thread collective, I was part of this program called Tell Me Your Dream, T M Y D. Yeah. yeah. It's a super touchy feely. And my dream when I first got was for my family, meaning my wife and my kiddos, to know in their bones that Aaron's priorities go, recovery spirituality, them, everything else. Yeah. And that everything else is basically work career success, right? That's the everything else. Now that's a big life, put it on your tombstone kind of goal. So what we did is it actually created three start and three stop behaviors with my lovely, honest, my lovely, honest wife. And we would meet (laughs) once a month. I kid you not, one of them was like, I have to be done working at five o'clock, laptop shut and off the laptop. Or I have to let her know by 4.30 that I'm going long for this reason because the context means a lot to her. Mm. And I would literally grade. I would get a grade on the three starts and the three stops. And I categorized all of that over a six to nine month period.
0: So good. No. it So good. Quantify. Even down to to love. And it's an act of love. Dude, love is is 100% an act. Like it doesn't just happen. I mean, I have a personal, I have like a thing I call OKROS, where I go with like my five goals. Like what is my my life goal forever? And then what <sighs> are the subsequent things that go underneath that? And then there's like the, okay, here's your macro. I'm mean, going to, when I'm you know 85, I look back and I'm proud of this. And then what is like the five-year one? Okay, how does this line up to the one year, to the quarterly? And it's like six sheets on down. And so I work from the one month up, but I always look at the, the universal one regularly. And I'm like, hey, how do you... How am I doing on this? And I look at one. I'm like, so I, my my one is, I never want my kids to my family to feel like I care about money more than them. And so if I feel like they're start feeling that, I'll stop it. I I don't like none of the shit matters. Not like none of it, matters, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like grading yourself on that. Like that is a life goal. No matter how successful or unsuccessful I am, like just know you are the center of the universe to me, and all the other things are planets, right? You're the sun, but you go down and you're like, oh, what is all my goals? Shit, man, all my goals are financial and business. Like maybe I got to like up this one, which is like you said, stop at five, spend time. Casey Holiday had an amazing one where it's like, I go on to walk with my kids for 10, 15 minutes every day when I finish my day so that they can get direct attention. I sent that to every one of my dad friends. I know we're getting into like this thing, but it yeah. all comes back to like our marketing, that all of our business life, no matter what anyone says, is a direct correlation to how we treat ourselves in our personal lives. I believe that with all my heart. And the lessons are so transferable. Yeah, yeah, 100%. percent. Also, I
1: 100%. forgot who I was talking to there, there for a second. I said like I could out nerd you, and you just like yeah. threw down. You're like, oh, yeah. really, Aaron? Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Uh, also, shout out uh, Jonathan Poma. He was my mentor throughout that entire process, and he had yeah. something really similar to that from Loop, Loop yeah. Turns. He had something really similar, the Poma notion dashboard that they oh you see that that sort of thing else. But this goes right back then. You're right. This does go it goes right into marketing because when you orient yourself towards, and I can't help think of everything as a marketing leader in particular, like how you relate to your team and how you manage your team and how you help your team level up, and knowing that they want to be, they want to be challenged and they want to know they desperately want to know how do I make impact what is the number I can move? The same way that I respond to that. Mm -hmm. Anybody worth their salt will. And the worst thing you can do is obscure that. And I've been guilty of this over and over and over again, where you, especially for someone like myself, who's so prone to the doing, I came up as a doer, Yeah, yeah. right? My superpower is in the doing and the putting together and the putting out. And so to move into that place of like, how do I empower more people to be the doers and make that the superpower? And it's so easy to forget that like, I just got to make it clear. What's the goal? What's the goal? What are we going after? What's your number this week? How yeah. are you moving that? And then it's not, it's so far from being negative. You think, oh, like, I'm just going to be a taskmaster on this yeah. stuff and adhere to the numbers and the data. It feeds, it feeds people when there's clarity.
0: Yeah. So I had a, a mentor of mine a couple of days ago. He said, look, your job is to be clear, be human and get out of the way. And if you've done a good job being clear and you've hired good people and good human beings who want to hit the goals that they want to hit by themselves, forget your company goals. Like they all are ambitious and want to hit their goals. They're going to fucking do it. But if you sit there and you're like trying to tinker with them all the time, dude, they're going to be sitting there. So he, he made a great example. He's like, look, if you're a CEO or CMO or head of marketing and you go talk to an associate manager about something, their day is fucked because they're going to be like, oh my God, Aaron said I got to do this. I'm going to do it now. Versus what's the chain of command? Like go talk to their boss and like, look, I've thinking about this thing. Can you guys get them to do that? And they understand to do it, but because they're having that one-to-one relationship with their boss, they're not afraid and they can kind of say, okay, that's great, but I still have to get this thing done that has priority because they know what the priorities are in their their life and their business. And so I think it's such an interesting one. And it's funny because we're talking about, we said our topic is boring marketing. I think this is such an important part of boring marketing, which is how do you actually empower your team to do the best work of their lives and feel great about it. Like, let me not say do the best work of their lives and they're feeling miserable, but like feel good, about, feel good about it, feel like they're having impact because that makes your life, frankly, as a leader exponentially easier and just makes you look good. Like I'll be a complete mercenary. If they're doing great work, I look good. So I want them to do great work. So what is the right? unlock that I can give them? And if it's clarity and clarity tools and get out of the way, I'm going to, 100% do that every single time.
1: And there's nothing
0: glamorous,
1: sexy headline making about what you just described. No. That is the foundation of, I mean, in, in preparation for this, I yeah. of course took to yeah. the socials and I was like, what's the most boring marketing yeah. that's produced the most outsized win? Yeah. And th- there were a bunch of responses. We can get into some of them uh, yeah. because I think they actually fall into different categories as well. But one of them was simply about make a product people want to buy and tell their friends about. And it didn't, <laughs> No, here's oh, the thing. Okay. Now, that is so, What I wrote back, I was like, you might've just won this whole thing. Yeah, Shut it down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's true for SaaS. It's true for if you've got a consumer product, yeah. if you're selling things on the internet that people get delivered to their home, whatever it is, yes. The, what it didn't hit me until now is your job as a leader, your product as a leader is the people. Mind blown. It, yeah. Dude. The, and it's the exact equivalent of no one sees the engineer, uh, the designer, like tweak, tweak, tweak to make it 5% better here, 10% better here. Mm-hmm. Can the experience that this person onboards into it be so curated and guided that they don't, they don't lose any momentum. Dude, There's this, it's so unsung. Yeah. And it's the exact same thing inside of a marketing organization, a marketing department.
0: So what I say, I'll give you a build on that, that I think is like such a brilliant call out. There's your team and then there are the users that you create getting value out of your customers. Those are the product. That's like the actual job, right? Can I build such a great team that builds such a great product and experience that then delivers great customers that become our marketers? And like that, if you do that, you have solved everything because People then go as your employees, evangelize for you across the organization outside. Like um, they always they called the like a PayPal mafia and Airbnb mafia because they have so many epic people that have come out of those organizations, and they still go talk about it. Like, oh, Elon came out of there. Peter Thiel came out. Like all these people came out of that one. And then Airbnb has so many different people. Like the founder of Bobby came out of Airbnb. Lenny from Lenny's podcast came. There's so many different people have come out of Airbnb that has to be on the founders of Airbnb for building such an incredible internal product for their team. Same thing, Facebook has had an amazing amazing roster as well. So I completely agree with you. And if having a good product that people want to buy and tell their
1: friends about, tell other people about, is the consumer product version of that, Mm -hmm. what you just described from a SaaS perspective of users, quality users, who then go, who evangelize for you, yeah, for you who, who can tap on the shoulder and say, jump in the room, jump into this email chain, let them know the truth, that sort of thing. And there is nothing more boring than saying, how are we going to do good marketing? We're going to deliver a good experience yeah. and build an army of people who love our product, who will tell other people about our product. Because you're so removed from, let's launch a campaign. Let's have an event. Let's sponsor blank, Let's like, and it's like those moonshot ideas of like make a big, there is no big splash in that. And it's day in and day out. And you're also very dependent on the other, like their experience of support, of success, of experience. You're you're dependent on these other things too. But that's really like the be-all and end-all of boring marketing is making sure your customers are being taken care of.
0: 100%. I mean, I think one of the, one of the things when you get in the echo chamber of the social communities, when you're talking about social, when you're talking about marketing or business in general, is I find there's a lot of tactics and there's, I don't want to say a lack of humanity, that's unfair, but a lack of focus on the actual end consumer who's, who's consuming your product, which is a human being. And that's why I say this to all my people, uh, say anyone. I say, look, those data points on that chart that we're sitting here debating are human beings having an experience with their life. And mm-hmm. we are just a part of it. And we're like an inf- like we're at the fingernails worth of their life experience. And if we make their life harder, they'll just say, fuck you. I don't need this. I'm paying for my life to be harder. Piss off and die. Okay? You know? know? Like it's, it's yeah very technical, but we always, so it comes back to that thing you talked about Mike, Simple Modern Mike talking about, like people are human beings first. And yeah, their data points, we look at them, we look at their, their profiles and try to figure out how to quantify them. We have to, but your quant needs to marry your qual and come together for some sort of experience. And that's, for me, the simplest form of marketing is say, here are my charts, here are my surveys and my, and my interviews. Where do they align? Where's their divergence? Let me figure that out. And then I can figure everything else out. And I can make this very visceral yeah. too. Christmas or two ago, I got a gift
1: basket from one of our vendors. I won't say who, I won't say what they were doing, but I got a gift basket. And I was in the middle of discovering what an absolute dumpster fire, their area, (laughs) their purview was. And when I got that gift basket, it made me madder than if they did not send me anything. Because my immediate thought was, it was that thing of where you just said, making my life hard. I'm paying you to make my life harder. If all you do is give somebody a dime for their nickel. Just do the job I hired you to do in a way that doesn't make me notice it. Yeah, That's almost like, it sounds really unsexy and boring to put it like that. We're all concerned about wow moments, right? Oh, wow moments and delight and da-da-da-da. It's like, listen, the vast majority of the time, I'm just going to take like, I don't have to worry about you. You are producing an ROI and you're not fucking up. Yeah. You're not making my life actively worse. That's almost like the bar. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's boring. It's way more boring than sending out gifts and trying to yeah. surprise and delight, whatever that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. The real question, I mean, I always ask this and I, I try to stay away from that gifting to cover up for things, except yes. for my time. And it's more because I want people to be successful. So like, I'll give my time. I would give my time very freely and I pay for it a lot. But it's one of those things where you say like, okay, if our customer hits us up and says, Hey, can I have a 30-minute call? You're like, the downside is this, but let me just do it so that they feel like they're getting a premium experience with our mm-hmm. company. But what happens out of that is pretty insane because you actually learn where the gaps are in your service because there's there's product and then there's service. And you know, everyone says, Oh, well, you know, you have the CS, you have kind of support, you have all of the, the help center guides, et cetera. All of that is a service, right? You're trying to provide some sort of service layered on top of the the SaaS component that you have. Same thing goes for a call with whether it's with me or someone who's you know a creative strategist, etc. But the, like you figure out what's wrong with your product, you figure out what's wrong with your service, and you make them feel special. And yeah. you get say you're at a, like a seven on your NPS, you bump up to an eight automatically, and an eight means you got three more months to figure out your shit and provide the value so that they will stay without you having to have the call because you've now gotten all the information you need to make the changes, like material changes in the product. So I think, like, I always tell people, customer success and support is a really meaningful growth channel that no one really focuses on because it's in the middle. So it's just crunched inside of like, marketing is doing all the stuff and sales to get people in. Product is doing stuff to keep people in and expand people. It's like, no, customer success and support can actually make people sticky and build the team cohesion around a product even if they're just focused on messaging etc so i mean that's my my boring marketing is focus more on your uh, focus more on your cs system to deliver value to your customers if they have problems get in the
1: room get in the room with real customers and real prospects either in the pipeline or out of the pipeline yeah you may be able to do some really exciting, sexy stuff if you're good in the room. That can be an immediate bonus. And that's not particularly boring when yeah. you help actually facilitate a win. That's, there's nothing boring about that. That's really, that will feed your soul too. But what I what I'm stressing here is the empathy and understanding you will develop versus trying to come up with the best, clearest, most clever, right? You just let your customers tell you mm-hmm. what they want and need. Yes. yes. Yeah. There was uh, So we're developing this new AI application of SMS, and we just released the beta mm-hmm. for it. And so we've been rolling out with a, a number of our larger merchants running a lot of tests, mm-hmm. uh, particularly those with 250,000, half a million subscribers to really get statistical significance. And one of the largest of the large met with our CEO, and I got to watch the recording of it, And he basically was like, yeah, this first part of the tool is fabulous. The message generation based on just simply inputting campaign goals. I can see that you've trained the crap out of this thing Mm -hmm. to match my brand and my voice and my use of emojis and the character count, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I get these three options. I can change the tone of voice. It regenerates for me. There's simplicity, there's speed in this. I really enjoy it. Those are the ones that are winning right now anyway. So he understood the data going into it. And then the second half of it is, all right, select your message now you get to actually create personalized campaigns based on the various audiences or segments. Like from a cold, they've never clicked, they haven't abandoned a cart, and they've never purchased. Cold as can be. To interested, they haven't made a purchase yet, but they have clicked a campaign in the past or they've abandoned a cart in the past, but they're still not actually a customer. One-time purchase. Yeah. Two to three, three plus. You can go into like, hasn't purchased in the last 60 days. So we're looking at like, what's the lapse customer? Create profiles for them and kick it out. Anyway, we do all this, this stuff and he was basically like, that ain't it yet. That what this is producing is not personalized enough. That ain't it. And the reason is I have got to figure out a way to extract the maximum value from my existing customers. We have gone horizontal with our acquisition. Yeah. We are on dart like every channel you can be on yeah. the horizontal element of it. Isn't the challenge right now. It's the vertical. It's going deep with the customers that we already have. Mm. And listen, I would never even have thought to talk about it that way. Yeah. Horizontal across channels versus what you really need is to go deep. Yeah. Vertical. Like vertical just steal back. it. Have that. And that's the boring marketing that turns into exciting marketing oh. because. You take that you put it into a campaign. You take that, you put it on a land. You take that, you put it in a subject line or an email. And all yeah. of a sudden, your chances of having somebody see it and go, I immediately, this person gets me.
0: Yeah. Go through the roof. Because you're just stealing it from someone else who is them. So it's funny because we align on this pretty deeply, which is spend time with your customers. They will tell you how valuable you are to the market. And I always say to people, I don't want to be cool. I want to be useful. So I let customers tell you how you're useful why you're useful and like how do you communicate that in a business? And so, like, I'll give you an example. I, I think I talked to this to you about this in the download, which is, I always ask them. Like, I, I started learning in business in the in the sales calls to talk about their businesses and how it like how the the outcomes of the ads and the opex portion of that will back into all of their business metrics, right? And so it's like, okay, so we're going to start talking about how the efficiency will actually affect everything downstream and upstream. okay, let's do a case study on this. Oh, let's have this in our sales deck. Oh, let's make sure that every enterprise customer gets this and has this conversation. You start saying, oh, everyone kind of responds because they're thinking, wow, they thought about everything, right? They thought about my business, not just their business. And like, that's a huge (laughs) distinction. Like, because (sighs) everyone thinks about, you just think about your business, not their business. And their business means your business actually succeeds. So, it's a really important one to, to lean into the customers and what they need, what they want, and how they perceive you. That's a big, big thing. And you've got, you've got a significant advantage to me because you get to
1: talk about creative, ad creative. Oh, People yeah, want it. to talk about ad yeah. creative. Nobody, okay, nobody <laughs> wants to talk about SMS. Also, yeah. this is what I've, I've realized too. Nobody gives a shit about the percentage of revenue that SMS contributes. Really? What, like, what they care about is, is my business growing and is it not cannibalizing any other channel? Oh. They don't actually care what channel, like they don't want their SMS to win. Yeah. They want their business to win. Mm. And then, I'm trying to get at this. It's, and so if the presentation is, we help you do better SMS, there's going to be a small portion of practitioners who are responsible for that channel that care about it. But you go yeah. one or two ticks up from that, they do not care.
0: Yeah. There's I care at, like, is to help grow the business. Instead of like channel efficiency, they want business, so they want like, they want MER, they don't want ROAS. I think that's one of the other boring things you want to talk about. It's like, okay, I've been thinking about this a lot, which is there's the user that comes and uses you. So it's that practitioner you're talking about. They leave the business, you're fucked because you don't have any other champions on the team because you've essentially just sold to the practitioner. Okay, you go sell yeah. to the executives. So oh, the executive leaves, they're not using it, you're just a dent on their PNL. See you later, dude. End of contract. Fuck off. Or there is, you get the team bought in, so you get the practitioner and the executive bought in because you've spoken their language, which is we're going to make your business better. Yes,
1: and understanding
0: you've got to market and sell
1: differently to the C level that really cares about vision in the future, mm. not where is your product at right now. Where are you going? Because that's my job, is to figure out what's next. Yeah. Is to, is to raise the ceiling. And then the practitioners, folks that are running, whatever the, the program is you're selling, you know, their job is to, the, the CEO's raise the ceiling. All right, let's put some chairs together and try to see if we can't climb back up to that ceiling. Yeah. So we pushed really hard. I was pushing really hard on this idea of efficiency. That's yeah. fundamentally the value proposition, is you will spend less and make more. Let yeah. me prove it to you. Efficiency. What that missed was the vision for the future mm. at the executive level. So they like the efficiency talk, but you still lose if someone paints a better, a better portrait yeah. of what's possible. The flip side of that was the efficiency talk really didn't resonate with retention marketers, email, yeah. SMS, life cycle, yeah. however you put it. Now they know they're beholden to certain numbers, mm-hmm. but these are people that do genuinely care. They're just empathetic. Yeah, They care about cultivating the experience and the relationship, mm. oftentimes to a fault, I would say. So sometimes it can be to a fault at the expense of what's the right data-backed decision to make, but yeah. to communicate to them, like a value proposition of AI, is you want to build stronger, more profitable relationships with your customers, but you simply do not have the bandwidth to give them the attention that they deserve. Yes, This is not going to solve that problem but it's going to get you closer to it than you've ever been without any additional effort. It's the first application that's yeah. going to try to and get really close to loving your customers yeah. the way you do. The yeah. way you do. And I would never express that love your customers the way you do to like an yeah. executive or something like that. No, no, no. Like I probably no. wouldn't. Yeah. But it's it's that audience. Yeah. Uh, that's pretty boring to. too, figuring out who you're talking
0: to no. and about at that small level. No, the, the sexy thing is like, how am I going to build some sort of really fun video campaign that speaks to both of them, right? But it's like, to get to the fun thing, you got to understand what you're actually communicating because you could just be in your own echo chamber and say like, what you said was the middle road. So the thing you came to was a middle road, which is efficiency. And It's like, okay, they both want efficiency, but they want it in different ways, right? These yeah. people want, want to give love, but they don't have the bandwidth to give love. Let me talk about how we're going to help them with love. These people want to deficiencies so they can hit their bottom line and grow the business meaningfully so they can turn more cash over, right? Mm -hmm. So they can essentially raise the floor and the ceiling. Like the ceiling is this, but at least the floor we know is now where the ceiling was because we've gotten Mm -hmm. more efficient in terms of the way our capital is. So I think it's such an incredible way I want to close this section because I think it's such an incredible way to focus on it. And I think my big thing, I want to first, the thing after this I want to do though is hear all the other answers. The thing I want to put a button on it is, is, if you guys have listened to Aaron and I go for 30 minutes on this, we just talked about human beings the entire time. We talked about data, we talked about messaging, but the undercurrent of everything was human beings are interacting with every single thing that we're doing, whether it's as a leader, when you're using, when you're working with your team communicating with the executives and what they need to feel safe at night or your customers and what they need to do to feel safe with your stewardship of their, whatever journey it is, if they're using your platform. And so I think like my big one, and I think it's funny, you, you and I are, are thinking on this one is lean into humanity. It has a huge dividend for you across every single part of your business and your life. So yeah. this, this is a killer section I think it's kind of funny. I want to hear what everyone else says. I'm pretty sure there's like a lot of practical examples. Like, yeah, use this channel or use that channel. Um, Like what's been, what was like a few of the good ones that came out of that Twitter question you asked? I mean, honestly, two of the ones that came up over and over again
1: were email and marketing. And I would say the boringest of the boring email and email and SMS. The boringest of boring answers was cleaning your email and SMS list. And I was like, Mm. there's another winner. Yeah, "Yeah, that gets completely unsung. And this. The cost savings and efficiency improvements there. Yeah, Yeah, you talk about a laborious, ugly, no glory job. That was a really good one. Data came up time and time again. And I would even double down on not just, uh, like we talked about, what what numbers do you report? How do those numbers ladder up and ladder down? What are individuals responsible for? Where channel attribution is a really big one as well to get clear about, we've got to have this foundation, this clean, Data intake foundation mm-hmm. before we start running and placing bets and spending yeah. money. Um uh, can't because like the only question I hate more than why didn't that work is why did it work? <laughs> when I don't know the answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, there's some of those ones where you're like, all right, I'm gonna have to go back into this. Let's go find this. And you're just playing a needle in the haystack with the information. Like, oh, June looks
1: great. Yeah. What you doing, June? I'm like, oh. Mm-hmm.
0: There was one we had where someone posted an Instagram story and it went viral about pencil. And I didn't know where it was, what it came from, because we're not really active on that channel specifically. And then I saw, I don't know how I even found it. It like got served to me in my discovery in my own Instagram. I was like, oh, and then I reached out to the guy and he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm just signing up. I'm going to sign up for your affiliate. I'm like, why didn't you do it before? And it went off and it drove a crazy amount of leads. And the actual the quality was actually quite good because people were going to him for technology advice. But it's like you gotta be tooled up to actually handle that. So I I completely agree. I completely agree with that. So my partnerships is a good one. I would oh, say partnerships
1: is. is in there. Yeah, Super. especially if you can get that's one where I've just seen the Emperor has no clothes over and yeah. over again. At large yeah. organizations, Emperor has no clothes. So if you can get somebody good at partnerships, that can be a big unlock. <laughs> <Not> direct <laughs> no, mail right. showed up. Uh, yeah. and then this might be even a segue into getting out of this was uh, somebody wrote SEO and I wrote gasp
0: who thinks SEO is boring right cuz that is like my yeah, my secret love yeah yeah it, jam, I mean as a writer it's funny because like that is probably if you said chase what's your weakest area of marketing it's like actually understanding SEOs like i know i yeah i know enough to be dangerous but you go and talk to someone like you talk to a few other practitioners that i really respect it's like Oh, dude, like I am the emperor who has no clothes for sure. But I also know downstream, what are the impacts and implications? And so the way I always, I, re- I tell people this about all things marketing. I'm like, look, you're not going to see any impact now, but in six months, you're going to have this thing that is essentially driving half of your fucking volume. And yes. like, you have to look at everything as, I always say this, is this an SEO play or is this a, like a, a Facebook ad play? Just, it's yeah. one of the two things. Facebook ad, low minimum scope really quick return on signal. SEO is a long place, so it's like speedboat versus ocean liner. You send the ocean liner out, you know where it's going. You know it's gonna work. You know it's gonna get where it's gonna go and it's gonna be real it's gonna be able to carry a heavy load. The Facebook ad is a speedboat. It can go two, three miles out of port and then it's got to turn back because it doesn't have enough gas, right? Or you gotta send out something to gas it back up. And so I think SEO is like just this this stone gathering moss. I guess it's, it'll be interesting, and I'm sure you have a lot of takes on this about what the, the future of it is, given a lot of the, the changes that have been happening. Um, yeah. I think what, what happens like anything is mediocre and shitty practitioners will die, which is not a bad thing, oh, and yeah. the great ones will just keep crushing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's, yeah, it's never been easier to make mediocre content. Dude. <laughs> which also yeah. means it's never been easier to stand out. Yes. And shine. Yes. And care. Because to me, the SEO world, what's exciting about that is, again, that's whole coming up as a doer. Yeah. Is where I really, especially as editor-in-chief of Shopify Plus, that was a lot of the big wins, was figuring out things like, I had this theory. We had a number of e-commerce trends articles and site feed articles. And I had this theory that I bet... I bet Google's confused because if I cite colon shopify.com slash plus the blog yeah, or the, or the main subfolder, I would just get like page after page of results on these two yeah. different topics. And I kept going to some of the folks inside the larger SEO side of things. And I was like, I'm really tempted to actually take down all but one of these. Yeah. And redirect just every single one of them to the one to rule them all. Yeah. And I waited until Christmas break over one holiday when everyone was gone and I just did it. I was like, I can put them all back up. I unpublished them. I can I can put them back up if I need to later. And it hit. Like it hit in <laughs> 48 hours. Yeah. Where it was like e-commerce trends, bam, page one up to three, bouncing between one and two. And it's there's nothing more boring than going to figure out how do we prune articles, what's cannibalizing, where are yeah. good anchor text links to yeah. go. Is the site structure confusing? Let's get into a sitemap. Do we have a good yes. sitemap? Are mm. our robot TXT files correct? Yeah. Bruh, that is uber boring. Yeah, the thing. Like and Andrew Ferris used to describe it as, there's two ways to cook rice for dinner. You can go to the store and buy it, or you can grow it. Mm. And it's the Facebook ad, go to the store and buy it. You can go buy your customers. You can go buy your customers and you can eat tonight. Yeah. Or you can go grow your customers. And obviously you got to do both. You have to do both at the same time. But it's so, you get so overwhelmed with the buying. It's so myopic and it takes so much longer to grow rice. But the thing about SEO is it takes less effort and you get more results over time. Both of those things are true. It takes a lot less effort to maintain it than it does to establish it. And if you are maintaining it, it does nothing but stack and stack. In stack.
0: Yeah. It's what uh, for Ben Franklin, uh, you know, um, what is it? Compound interest is like the eighth wonder of the world. Literally, SEO is the same. It's like, it's just compound. If you get it right, it's compound interest that will stack and stack and stack. And all that compound interest is just gas on top of your business after a while. But like you said, there's just this kind of, you have to get over a certain hump. And most people are, the word you use is myopic. Most people, and let me be human for a second and say, there are business results you need to get today. What I generally recommend with them is like, look, if you know these things will have outsized impact in six months and you plan on being around in six months, maybe allocate 10% of what you want to do into the things that are going to have outsized impact and bring the cost of acquiring customers down meaningfully for you. Whether you're in a consumer business or like B2B SaaS loves SEO. Like this is part of the... D2C, no one thinks about it. No one. They're starting to. My goodness, no, I cannot no. tell you how my email
1: box, my DMs, <laughs> more than I've ever experienced of people who are waking up to what is this content and commerce thing? Yeah. What is this SEO thing? Yeah, And I'm seeing it start to, like, not only in my experience, but also just across the socials of more and more people talking about it, yeah. people talking about agencies, link building. And I'm I'm grateful for it. I, think it. I think it's great. But it also, there's so many easy ways that especially folks that operate on Shopify can go and win, where there's yeah. just an eye to the aesthetics, the sexy side, there's an eye to the aesthetics. You grab the template or the theme, you plug it in, and nobody has the wherewithal to actually look at the code that's on the page to say, yeah. do we have one H1? Are we disciplined right. about the hierarchy of H2 to H3? Do our images have meaningful alt tags yeah. on them? Alt text, yeah. right? These... Are we cleaning up when a when a product goes out? Are we just leaving that thing there to either become a become a four hundred four or to just be a frustration to somebody who's looking for the thing? They find it and then they can't order it. Or is yeah. so maybe we're really disciplined about when a product goes out, redirected the next best one. Well, I mean, there's a lot of wins you, to have there just with discipline.
0: I mean, I think that's a great ways. There's a lot of wins to be had with with just having some discipline about the way that you go about. This where you're talking about SEO and your your website. So I think it's 100 percent the right way to end that section. What is a product you've been excited about? Because you talked about Opus, and this is week three of Opus. That's where wild. they create your assets. But like there's a reason. So I'm curious what yeah. has been exciting for you about having that product that's um that enables you to make social first content that's vertical. It's
1: ridiculously staggering how hard it is to still do good captions and subtitles. I cannot believe how hard it is. And listen, Photoshop scares me, let alone anything video related inside the Adobe suite. It's a nightmare to me. And so the simplicity of one, made for a format that is not really native to me, but definitely native to my audience is incredibly helpful. Forcing it to be vertical. The ease with which it actually identifies and tries to help you see where the pops are, the hooks, like that. Even if yeah. it misses two out of six, yeah. you're still getting four. And it's the exercise of the fact that they had that in mind was a delightful experience. Yeah, That's really smart 100%. to have to nudge me in that direction. So the ease of with it is um, the actual format that they produce and that little touch on top of like, we think this one is going to hit hard yeah, and we're going to top it up for you just so it does exactly what we want it to do.
0: The other thing I've actually liked quite a bit that they have in there as well is if you go look where right next to the video, it will give you like a really punchy headline to put into YouTube or something. It's like the best boring marketing things you could do to have outsized returns on your business will literally be one of the things. You're like, I wouldn't have written that. But it's, no. and it's, it's maybe 85% of the way there and I'm gonna change a few things. But like, you know that, it's a little cringy in the best way possible. That's going to cut exactly. through. exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And yeah. we need
0: people to push us towards cringe. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's the what you, world what you loves cringe. About. Well, Ugh. everyone loves cringe because it cuts through. So why, why? for instance, you know, that magic, you know, magic spoon has those, uh, yeah. those uh, videos with that guy who is super ripped and it makes, it has, it has nothing to do with magic spoon. It has nothing to do, but you're like, okay, I'm going to stop scrolling and just see what this is all about. It's about cereal, but there's this ripped guy with a huge Afro. I don't really know why this matters. And it's kind of weird, which like, all right. And I think that's in a world where I gave my friends some stats the other day about how in a day we consume more information than someone it did in their lifetime 400 years ago. And like, they're like, oh, well, people weren't literate. I'm like, the point is our brains haven't evolved that fast. We still have the same brain we did back then. So we need something to stop us, right? And so a headline can do that. It's why having an audience, right, can do that because people will stop and listen to you because they trust you as a trusted source. It's why having a show saying, hey, I'm on this podcast or, you know, all of these things you can do to stop stop people it really comes down to like that differentiation or die. So I really love that they're differentiated there. They do that easily. I've had a lot of value out of it. And frankly, they've actually messed up a couple of videos where like the center portion of it is like, there's a weird refraction in it. And I kind of just leave it because I'm like, it'll probably make people look at it more. Like they're like, this thing is kind of fucked up. Uh, Why is it fucked up? And you're like, oh, AI did it. I, I don't know. I thought it was still a good video. So who cares? And I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a brilliant product and uh, I'm happy that more people are using it because to download a video, put it in cap cut, figure out the 10 seconds, 150 seconds you want. Figure out, no, just give me the Hermosi style thing. Give me just 10 clips. slam it down. in, kick it back out. Exactly. Let's get to town. Yeah. Yep. My growth nugget was in there. Essentially, it's about finance, which is just understand if you can get a rudimentary understanding of kind of the four things to five things that move the needle, for your business and then humanize it so your team can know what to run against. It sounds really basic, but we get in these 25 KPI dashboards. And I, I think it's really, it can be really problematic because you have a junior who comes onto there and they look at 25 KPIs and they don't know what the hell is what. So they need mm-hmm. clarity on what the three things, the five things they need to move, they need to move the needle with and how that affects their their day to day. And you're there as a steward of that. And a conduit to the information from uptown in the in the C suite to downtown in the uh in the early stage operators side of the business. And so I would just challenge people to really have a good sense of your financials and then what KPIs ladder up to those financials and how you can translate that for your team on both sides if you're kind of the bridge to those two teams, because your life will be better. Your life will be better. Yeah. My turn?
1: Growth. We don't call yeah. these growth yeah. tactics, right? yeah. growth tactic, growth yeah. tactic of the week. Yeah. Growth nugget. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna go right back to where we ended the boring talk at, which is go identify your three to five most valuable keywords by total volume related to what you sell and estimated CPC. SEMrush is a great tool for this. Ahrefs, both of the free versions for trials, if you haven't gotten into them yet, mm-hmm. will let you do it to just simply go identify. They're gonna scrape your site so you know what the terms you're already ranking for are. Go identify your three to five. That's it, three to five. Then go in an incognito window site colon, you're going to Google this, site colon your domain, each one of those keywords over and over again. So if it's site colon Mm puravita.com bracelets, right? Show me or go find out if you, so you're going to go and then consolidate as much as you possibly can the first two to three pages of results into either a single page to rule them all for content related queries how to, why, pricing, et cetera, or go and do what's called a canonical. Go add a canonical and GPT-4 will tell you, how do I add in a canonical? I want blank to be the canonical URL. It'll tell you exactly how to do it in Shopify, in WordPress, whatever you're working on. It'll tell you how to do, this is how you code it. Go add canonicals to everything except what is the result you want people to see. Yeah. It's gonna take a little bit of bravery to take down, especially to take down pages, consolidate them into one. But that's the kind of thing you take a little bit of bravery. You give yourself a week or two for Google to catch up and understand all of these are now pointing to the one. And I'm telling you, the results will floor you of how quickly you can stack up some wins
0: with SEO. Guys, I'm gonna do this. Uh, my team and I are gonna do this. Uh, we're gonna do this next week. We have some work on the website to do, so this is this is exciting. Get and in. fire. Thank you. Where should where should the good people? of this community, reach out to you, interact with you? Is the bird the best place? LinkedIn, hit you on recart. What's, what is the place to, to get some more, to get some more love here?
1: The bird at Aaron Orndorf. there's only one of me, two F's, two, two A's at the front, two F's at the end. Yeah. You go, know, bird app is the easiest place to spot me. If you really want to suck up to me, go say nice things to me on LinkedIn. Cause I have way less traction on LinkedIn. I will appreciate yeah. it and be in your debt you can go visit recart.com or if you're really brave, go check out recart.com slash AI demo. AI demo. Cool. We're going to be dropping some stuff. Oh, I'm there. for it, man. Live, interactive, go behind the scenes, into the guts, industry specific. We've created stores with fully branded, not oh, just ethos that. and mission, but actual personas that have been created where you can experience it for yourself. Yeah, and sure. it... It's my first product experience that I was floored by someplace yeah. that I work.
0: Yeah, I don't say Thank that you, lightly. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, I appreciate your candor, your wit, and just your your expertise. And uh, it's it's such a fun such a fun time to spend with you, man. I appreciate you.
1: I'm so glad you invited me. Any chance I get.
0: All right, number eight in the books. We'll see you guys around. Thanks for listening.